Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, hey, this is called The Alt and Our Stars. It is a podcast for alternative music on billboards.com. I'm Chris Payne, your host. And I'm here today with Wolf Alice. What's up, guys? Hello. Hey. How's it going? This is the entire band here. Yes. And they just got through a really special acoustic in-office performance for some of the Billboard people here, which was streamed to everyone on the internet live. Mm. Via? Via Periscope. Uh, this is just going to start <laughs> off sounding just like a big ad for Periscope. Which I guess is kind of unavoidable, but it was, was it like scary? Was it neat? Was it like, oh shit, the future? Like, what was it? Or was it just like, whatever, we're playing acoustic songs? I think because it was filmed on a phone, you don't feel as nervous as when you've got cameras pointing at you and stuff. So it's kind of casual. Because you guys are used to that. You're, you're used to just playing shows and just kids in the front row with cell phones pointed at you. Yeah, yeah I guess so. too normal, that, I guess, isn't it? People doing it yesterday, actually, and people just standing there filming the whole thing on their cameras and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about it. Huh. It's okay if, it's okay if you're maybe a little bit further back, but when you're standing by the monitor and you're literally just playing to a phone rather than a face, that's mm-hmm. a little bit awkward. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> I, th- I think, I think, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, Everyone's I'm kicking off again. It's it. Wasn't it Jack White at Coachella? was like, Put your phones down. And that seems very Jack White. Yeah, and Karen O like put a ban on it. Yeah, a few people. A notice that. into a show. I can get. I can understand that now. I probably didn't a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's. Yeah. It would annoy me very like a lot if I'd spent twenty quid on a ticket and everyone in front of me is just doing this the whole time. And also, then they go and upload them to YouTube, and that's yeah. not really what you want. Like your live show to be represented by is a camera phone version mm-hmm. of the monitor. Yeah, because I was going to say, if there is a silver lining to it, it's at least like the kids are very, very invested and enjoying it. And in their mind, it's probably like, I want to be able to save this moment and enjoy it later. And I know that's maybe not how things ought to be. It should be just like, enjoy the moment now. It's awesome. Or the quality will be out on YouTube. But And I'm not even sure that is the... Sp- sole reason why they do it. I think a lot of the time it's so that they can upload it to their Instagram to show people that where they were and stuff rather than I can watch this when I go to bed and remember a good time. Sometimes I think mm. it's more FOMO. social media. Yeah. 
FOMO. Did they have FOMO in England? Yeah. yeah. FOMO yeah. is universal. <laughs> Noel gets FOMO. I was about to say. Noel's <laughs> <laughs> girlfriend, Noel's always got FOMO. Yeah, well, he's always drunk. <laughs> At home. <laughs> this is going out to the whole internet, right? <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I want to begin with a little bit of backstory on the band as things are leading up to the debut album coming out. So, just like to start off, how long have you all just been doing music in your lives? Performing, playing, singing? As a job, as like work, in the sense that we haven't had any other jobs probably over a year now. That is, and this has been our full time thing, like a year and a half maybe. But I think. We've all been doing music since we were like younger. I think like we had like probably about fifteen or so. Yeah. Everyone has like a school band or like friends band that you want to join, jam bands or whatever. It's probably like the most serious thing anyone. Well, mm-hmm. it is the most serious thing any of us yeah. have done musically. <laughs> but to get kind of as the four of us, it's been three years. Yeah, because that was going to be my next question. Like, how long have you guys been doing Wolf Alice full time? As in, like, no other job. So like a year and a half. Yeah. 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 Since we got signed to Dirty Hit Records. Mm-hmm. So fun so far. Awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Probably. Yeah. Uh, we're here in New York. Yeah. We're looking at new, yeah again, yeah. looking out of the New York skyline from the billboard offices. <laughs> so I think things are on the up. Yeah, definitely kind of pinch yourself, kind of mm. stuff. <laughs> yeah, so like, I always wonder how bands these days who got popular so like as quickly as you guys did, how you process it and how much of it like you know what's going on, especially when some of it, so much of it happens on the internet, kind of like a way for where you can see it really happening in front of you. So like how much of this, like if you can put it into your own words, like how, how has this come about and like how much have you been able to comprehend? I think, I think you have a choice as to whether you engage with a lot of like, if you, if you really search the internet, want to trawl the internet for all of the reviews that you're getting and all of the different things are happening. And you can now with the internet, you can really witness fan reaction to everything. Like you could come off stage and search yourself and find out what happened instantly. But, I don't know, it's just, it's been quite a, for us, it's been quite a, not calculated, but kind of slow process because we've only just been put into people's mindsets, maybe by different medias recently, but we've been doing this for a while. So it feels like, feels like a comfortable amount of time for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, do you, like for the four of you, like how much do you do that as far as like going through reviews or like oh we just spoke to this person let's see what the story was or like let's see these live videos and how they sound like how much do you engage with that i think it's still quite early days for us in the sense that we don't have the we there's um i don't know it's still quite fun for us to read what people are saying and it's still early days in the sense there's um not so many people talking about it that there's going to be loads of bad stuff as well as good stuff so it's not too harrowing mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah i think you have to find a healthy balance of that kind of stuff and i think soon maybe the novelty will wear off or you know you might feel a bit scared up about what's out there there's lots of sometimes scary things that people say so it's always best to you can judge yourself how if whether you should be trolling through what people are saying about you or not really yeah, because I was going to say, basically, the the vast majority of the critical consensus seems super positive so far. But then again, like, the internet, there can just be all sorts of random scary stuff. So it's, like, probably good to keep a safe distance. Okay. But, yeah, so to fill in some more of the story, how did Dirty Hit, how did you get signed? How did that come along? Um, well, yeah, um, we'd had label interest for a while, probably you know, when we were first starting off and everything, but no one had really uh, gave us something solid or, like, said... 
they wanted to work with us except Dirty Hit and who we'd met a couple of times and who had seemed, you know, really the first people really interested in us in all sense of the matter and just, yeah, and we they, they have a small roster which was good for us and with full of a very varied artists which is cool and um yeah it just felt felt right and they and um yeah just kind of put an offer down and we felt felt it was right in our gut i guess yeah they're super like they're super motivated guys jamie and chuck at the label they just ran the london marathon Really, the other day they're like super. <laughs> everything's on point in there. I should remember Jamie's time because it was it was four hours. Good. Yeah, yeah. He raised a lot of money. He's a good guy. Yeah, and it's funny because when me and Ellie were playing, just doing like crappy little pubs and stuff like years and years and years ago, mm. like Jamie actually reached out then, didn't he? Yeah, he reached out. We must have only played about like, five open mics or something. No real gigs or anything, and. He, he yeah he messaged me on our, my own personal email asking to come down to the next show which we had to kind of make a next show for him to actually come <laughs> down to kind of thing um but he never did yeah he never <laughs> did so that didn't materialize until about four years later yeah. when he came back and i don't think he realized that we were the same yeah. person no which is weird kind of um what's that word Syn- no synchronous synchronicity something like the like police that. album Synchronicity, synchronicity. We'll go with that. (laughs) Serendipity, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 serendipity. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) Need to go back to school, I think. (laughs) And RCA comes in as the American side for the label things, right? Yeah. Okay. And how much have you worked with them so far? It's quite a new thing for us. Um, When did we sign the deal? It was so. we signed it over in like, January. Yeah, when we came over here for our first like, we played at the Mercury Lounge and Baby's All Right. We had like two mm. shows in the week. I went to the offices and did the whole signing thing and champagne. It was cool. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but we'd we'd met Dan, who's the guy who signed us over in the UK. He came to he came to watch us uh, support Lenny Kravitz at the Roundhouse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then just before the album as well, we were working quite closely with him. So yeah. and he's amazing as well. He's a super cool guy. He worked. What was the other label he worked at? Canvas back. Canvas back, and he signed Alt J over here, and mm-hmm. I think the Orwells as well. Yeah. They went like the third band he signed. So yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a very dedicated young man. Yeah, and like with playing bigger venues, as I'm sure it'll just like keep happening and ramping up more as the album comes out, has there ever been a moment of like, oh shit, this is happening too fast? Or is, has have you guys just dealt with it? I don't think um, so far, no. We've just announced our biggest headline tour in the uk for september mm-hmm. which ends in brixton academy which is quite large <laughs> mm-hmm. and that feels like very scary just because i didn't think that would happen so soon and it's not to say that it feels too soon but i didn't expect if you told me that like a year ago it would have been i wouldn't have believed you so that's the only thing i'm like oh whoa but no i think we've worked quite hard so things feel uh right yeah, and when you play New York next, do you know what venue it is? Yeah. Le Poisson Rouge. Okay, okay. It's over there, apparently, isn't it? It's like yeah, it's really close to yeah. here, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we're very pumped for that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like a little bit bigger than Babies, All Right, and Mercury Lounge. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. coming along. Steady. Yeah, steady's good. Yeah. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool, so... I think we're caught up pretty much on the history of the band, so I wanted to talk about the album. My Love is Cool comes out uh, June 23rd in the U.S. And, um, yeah, so I wanted to kind of compare, like, England and America a little bit. Like, I'm a journalist who covers rock and alternative music in America, and it kind of bums me out from, our, from like, the way things are here because a lot of times I feel like it's bigger or it's easier for a rock band to get a bigger platform and to get popular, especially off the bat in the UK than it is here. Like, have you guys picked up on that at all? Like, what do you think about that? I think, I'm sure it is. It must, to be fair, it must be harder in the US just because, you know, of how big a place it is. And it's, you know, how many people live in the US? Like 300 million or something like that? Something like that. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's huge compared to, you know, even the Lambas, you know, you're going to miss people, I guess. People are going to slip through the net. I guess in a way that in the UK maybe it's a little bit harder, you know, to slip through that net. I think the UK also has this like monthly cycle of like declaring rock music dead and then declaring it's back again with a mm-hmm. band, and then they'll rubbish that band a couple of months later and it's dead again. So yeah. there's that to compete with as well. Of like it's never really in vogue. It's only probably like the last year or so with like bands like Royal Blood and stuff who've got like serious mainstream attraction from like Radio One and TV and they've really like made it more of a, a mainstream conscious thing but it's always kind of going out but it's never like cool to be in a rock band so huh. it can still be kind really? of rough it, in certain circles i wouldn't say like rock in sort of like straight down the line yeah rock. like led zeppelin or something you know it wouldn't be like that but there's it's always subgenres of things in different cities that always you know bleed through and there are always cool bands around hmm yeah, and I, I always felt like NME contributed to that like very quick turnover, that quick what's cool, what's not kind of press cycle. Yeah, I think yeah. so. They have a lot of writers. So like, you know, if the writers drift away after a year, then the next set of writers maybe don't answer the same things as last year. And so it can seem fickle, but it's probably just it's the opinion of the people writing, you know. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and I also kind of think about like how a band like the Killers who are from America got, I think they were probably bigger in England than they ever were in America. And bands, you have bands like Muse and the Arctic Monkeys who it seems like are a lot bigger in the UK than Mm. they are here. Mm. It just always seems like there's kind of more of a platform there. That's kind of the case, seems like the case with a lot of American bands that we really love got really big in the UK, like the Strokes and the and the Kings of Leon first. Yeah, first they're another good like example. That's absolutely yeah. crazy how they, how they, like the thing is maybe the first two albums, they were so big in the UK and from what I know, they were 
as big here but also we have like a body bodies that represent the whole of the country whereas over here it feels more like you go to each state and each place and it's independent to there so like radio one unifies the whole of the uk whereas yet here you have to hit up these individual states right, it's a lot right, harder yeah. Yeah. and that's more to do with the scale side of things but yeah it is strange that when you think about those kind of bands who are now so revered and so massive everywhere getting big in the uk first i'm not sure what it is it must be in the water mm. or the lager <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah and like that's why I think it's really awesome that a label like RCA is behind you guys in America, you know, so, but yeah, with the, with the album coming out, like I really liked the songs in your EPs because with like so few songs, you guys flashed a lot of different styles and moods from loud to soft. And so like doing so much with just like a few songs now that you have like a full length that I've heard, I, I really like it just started today. And so now that you've gone from writing EPs to a full length, like, is that different for for the songwriting process like when it's part of a larger whole um not for this album in a way because i think there was no well there was no concept or theme to it and we didn't write it in one period of time it's loads of songs from different periods of time so song, some of the songs are really old and some of the songs are really new so kind of just put together our favorite ones which is kind of what we did with the eps just kind of we were obviously conscious of the song, four songs or however many songs worked well together, but it was more what was our favourite songs at the time, which is exactly the same process we went through making this album. What was our favourite songs at this moment in time? Yeah, so like kind of a piecemeal process over time, just picking out the best 10, 12, 13 songs, putting them together. Yeah. yeah. It's the greatest hits. It's the greatest hits yeah. record. The first one. one. Yeah, but yeah, really, like the, the greatest hits of the bands up until this point is kind of what it is. It's very much a first album in that sense. It's just a collection of the songs that we really we haven't. Yeah, like Ellie said, it's not thematic to any extent. Hmm. Although there are themes. Yeah, not con not so consciously, maybe subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. So since it's all kind of put together from different sessions, what do you think of the flow of it? Do you think it hangs together as a cohesive piece? Idea. It was all recorded as one as one bulk of, of maybe six weeks in the same studio, so I think it has the same DNA for sure. I think we were quite that was probably the one thing we were conscious of because from day one everyone's like, oh, it's so like sporadic and stuff. You don't want to be like pigeonholed as the band that tries to do like every genre or something, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's good to you know the sounds and like using the same sounds in different songs to tie them together. I think that's been quite good, quite solid on the album. Yeah, it's like, I don't really think you guys ever jumped from genre to genre. Like, it's all sort of in this umbrella. Yeah. But from just, like, softer music that's more atmospheric yeah. to more rocking songs. Yeah. It's more like different moods yeah, than genres. Exactly. Yeah. We're hardly going from, like, jazz to hip-hop yeah, to kind of people thing. It's all just talk to us like as if we were, yeah. like, blowing their minds and stuff, like, doing reggae one minute. And just never, it never was that mm. way. Yeah, and it's, and it's, a, and it's an accomplishment, though, because, like... I think a lot of bands will have one very one very like distinct sound they do well and they'll try to do something that's a little different and they'll do that on every album but it's not quite as good and it's like always coming back to the one sound they do well and that's what they hold on to across the album like I, like the two songs I that really caught me the first time this opener called Turn to Dust is is a very like moody atmospheric opener and there's a new song called You're a Germ that like rocks really hard so I don't like because 
it's a couple months before release date. I don't want to like give too much away from what I've heard. So for people who haven't heard the album, like how would you describe it to them now? A couple months before the release, what to expect? I have no idea. I really <laughs> don't know how to answer that question. Not that I don't want to answer it. I have no problem answering. It. I just can't. Mm. I don't There's know. A good reason to buy it though. Yeah, <laughs> you'll have to find out. I think what you said about atmospheres and using the words like atmospheres and moods rather than changing genres is a good way of describing it. It definitely does have a flow of different moods and kind of stuff like that. So, like you said, it turns out that's very kind of I don't, not ambient, but just like very different to a hard straight down the line rock. So, it offers quite a lot for different tastes, I think. Mm. But confused. I'm confused. <laughs> I wouldn't say confused. I think it's definitely not. We're, maybe we're confused, but the album's not. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused. I don't know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like when I ask that question, I don't really mean it like a sales pitch, like tell people why they yeah. should. I mean, I mean no, like no. maybe more so since, you know, you guys have been making music for a long, long time and now finally, oh, we have a Wolf Alice album. Like personally, like what do you guys think about it? Like what do you think now that you just did it? It's kind of scary. Mm. It's because like the first album is done. We're never going to make the first album again. Yeah. It's like... I don't know, but in Unless. in history or <laughs> probably you know not history. Not too late. Know. It's yeah. true. Like they always say, like you have like your lifetime to write your first album, and then that's what you're judged by your debut. So mm. it's quite sketchy. It's probably weird now that knowing like you know you've heard it and other people we know have heard it, even though we had it for like a couple of like months, just like to ourselves, and mm -hmm. now it's out there Should and it's going to be out there yeah. even more. And you know, people on Twitter are going to get it and slag it off. So it's kind of nervous. I can't really think of any other way we could have done it or no. or it would have sounded now, now that it's done, which I think is a good thing. It's just kind of, it. once it was finished, it all made sense, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so I, I think we're all happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. but I always remember reading an interview with Kevin Parker from Tame Impala. He's just, uh, the, whoever was interviewing him was, complimenting him endlessly on his album Lonerism and saying how amazing it was and he was like and they're like were you happy when you finished it it's like I'll never be happy or something or like I will always listen to it and hear what I didn't finish or like what I should have done instead blah 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 but that doesn't mean to say that it's uh not as good as it is or whatever it's just you I guess you just have to not overthink things I always think that I think definitely finished no, no matter what you just have to put it aside you're happy with it finished yeah, just because when you listen to a piece of work you did in the past, in the future, I mean, if you're keeping it music, you're probably going to get better. So naturally, you're just going to hear it and be like, oh, I could have done that better. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But I guess that's just kind of unavoidable. I think it's probably with all art, isn't it? Like Painters probably want to redo their painting that they're most famous for because they're better at drawing, you know? You just know Yeah, you well, exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. There just comes a time where you have to stop and just like actually value what you've done. Yeah, and it's as good as you can do at that moment in time. It's not the best. Yeah, it's just at that moment in time, that's the best, the best you could do, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, and I guess like the well-adjusted way of dealing with that, if you think you, it could have been better, that just shows you that you've improved since you've yeah. done it. Yeah. yeah. You want to do more. Yeah, you've got mm -hmm. ambition and stuff. So the second album is going to be really good, but by the first <laughs> album anyway. <laughs> yeah, I actually had a band on the podcast not too long ago, and we had this discussion about first albums and they were saying how their publicist was kind of advising them and saying like, with first albums, just the way journalism works, there's a good portion, maybe like a quarter or a third of it that's just always gonna be devoted to new artists. 
So like when you go like there's always that working for you when you come out with the first album. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I ne- never really thought of that. Mm. But it's true, yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Maybe we won't release it for a while. Maybe that's why it says lots of pressure when it comes to a second album, kind of. For yeah. sure, yeah. You're like, how can I... You really have to win people over. Because people are going to take note of, like you say, first albums, whatever the first album is. But second, mm-hmm. second album, you got to win people over, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's one more one more um older song that appears on the uh the the album called Giant Peach that I wanted to talk about cuz I I I've I really really enjoyed the film and the book when I was younger mm-hmm. and I was like reading the lyrics listening to the music and wondering like is there a connection between the two and like Yeah, loosely. It was kind of so that song is loosely about um your relation one's relationship with where they live Mm -hmm. or where they grew up rather um and so i was kind of looking for a name which meant that without saying calling it something like home or yeah there's a lot of songs named home yeah yeah you know yeah (laughs) and that was and then we also kept um like which one wanted some kind of word that meant like big or something massive or something like that and so it kind of giant peach because obviously if I remember correctly, James lives in the giant peach and yeah. it's about his home and everything. So yeah, it seemed fitting. But yeah, it was quite a spontaneous... Um, we had to come up with a name in about one minute and I was just like, okay, this one. <laughs> I'd been kind of thinking about it, but nah. And then, yeah. Yeah, because if I remember right, like it's been probably like 15 years since I've seen that movie. He's with like his kind of evil aunts or yeah. stepmothers or something, and he hates his life, and then he escapes away with the bugs yeah, on the peach. the peach. So it's yeah, yeah. yeah. I should, should see that. Watch that one again. Yeah. yeah, but the song's kind of about like feeling stuck where you grew up. You were saying yeah. right? Yeah. So it kinda. fits really well. Yeah, but I actually can't remember the the actual story of James and Giant Peach very well. But it, I just knew the themes of it, and the themes were the same. So. Oh, he lands in. New- I just remember he lands in New York at the end. That's yeah. what happens. And then they like live in the pip of the yeah thing, doesn't he? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> this is how this has all come full circle. That's a great movie and a good book. Actually, it was a book. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's good. Shout out to Roald Dahl. Right? Um, he did it right. Roald Dahl, yeah. Roald Dahl. Yeah. Legend. Word. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, that's all I have at my end. So. So yeah, thanks so much for stopping by, guys. Thanks for having us. Woo! Yeah, good luck with the album and everything. Um, Yeah, buy the album. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So that concludes another episode of the Alt in Our Stars podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast by clicking the iTunes link towards the bottom of the story. You can also listen to past episodes there. The podcast posts every Friday. Until next week, have a good weekend, everybody. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 